a lot of us don't know how we're making other people feel, especially if you were raised in a certain environment. Maybe that was common for the person to say that, hey, you're you're being a jerk. Maybe that was common. So I think you just have to be transparent and vulnerable and then see where it goes from there. You know, your heart is very, very open. And that's what makes intimate relationships so challenging. Human beings end up hurting the people they love most because they, they are triggered most, not because they don't love you. Welcome to Next Level University. I am your host, Kevin Palmieri. And I am your host, Alan Lazarus. At Next Level University, we believe in a heart-driven, but no BS approach to holistic self-improvement for entrepreneurs. We bring you seven episodes a week, six of which are solo episodes with Kevin and myself, and one world-class guest to help you level up your life, your love, your health, and your wealth. Self-improvement in your pocket every day from anywhere for free. Welcome to Next Level University. I'm so used to being by myself instead of being in a relationship. Where is a good place to start in terms of being on the same page when a new relationship begins? Mm. I'm going to let Alan lead these answers because he's more studied in this arena than I. Appreciate you, brother. I, uh, it's because of Emilia more than anything, honestly. Um, Shout out to Emilia. Yeah, she's. this is her genius zone for sure. Which, by the way, has made my success in my relationship so much easier. Uh, I want to make that clear. Like that's a disclaimer of my relationship is flourishing on an unreasonable level that I at one point would never have even believed is possible, but it's mostly because of her awareness and her emotional regulation. So I don't want to take credit for that. Of course, I, I am a part of that, but I it's her awareness. So if you're new and you're used to being alone, how do you get started? I would try to learn about the other person and try to figure out what paradigm they're operating from. So Emilia and I's first date, uh, she ended up buying my coffee, which I knew generosity was a core value we have in common. We immediately called Bianca because Bianca was having a hard time and we FaceTimed her. So, so the very first thing that I ever said to Emilia, I sat down and I said, how did you do what I couldn't? And what I was referring to is, is we had a mutual friend who was in a bad relationship and I was trying to persuade and influence her to leave that toxic relationship that wasn't serving her and Emilia was able to do that and I wasn't so I was like how did you do it I immediately wanted to learn so there's a lot to learn in that one interaction Emilia is incredibly generous she's very service oriented Um, she's obviously super competent in leading other individuals she also loves learning as much as I do and she's you know able to teach me so there's just a lot to learn in a first interaction in my past relationships we weren't operating from the same paradigm and that in hindsight should have been very clear to me try not to look at what people do uh say try to look at what they do because behavior is a more accurate representation of someone's paradigm because we all have three layers and then I'll I'll let Kevin go we all have three layers of ourselves we have who we really are which is the true paradigm we have who we think we are, and then we have who we want others to think we are. And so in a first date especially, there's a whole lot of like extra dressing up and extra. Emilia and I, when we first met, it was it was from a place of I'm not going to be anything other than myself. I've spent too much of my life trying to impress and be different, and I'm just done with that. And if I have to be alone for the rest of my life, I'm willing to do that. That was a, a declaration that we made ahead of time. 
So maybe that's a little different, but just understand, watch people's actions, try to try to understand if you're operating from the same paradigm and have the same core values. And uh, that's the best, just be observant, be be an observer of individuals and, and see if you guys are, are going to be a good team. I'd say understand why you're starting. Naturally, I'll go different than Alan. Understand why you're starting. I think so many people start out on the wrong foot of, I need a relationship to feel whole. I need a relationship to feel worthy. I need a relationship to feel valued. And oftentimes when you, most times when you go in with that perspective, you're not going to be successful. So if, if you feel like you're ready to start, ask yourself, what are you actually looking to get out of this relationship? That's, that's where I would start. I remember, I remember after this was what, however many years ago it was, but when I was 26, my girlfriend at the time left me. And when I went back into dating, I remember I was doing it for all the wrong reasons. I was just lonely. I just didn't want to feel lonely anymore. So when I felt like I wanted to start, I was starting for the wrong reasons. Check why you're starting. That would be my advice. How can I introduce growth to my partner? Oh, wow. Jeffrey? Next level university. No, I'm kidding. Damn right. Um, I would have the difficult conversation and ask them the simple question. This is very difficult. This is something that I am terrible at, but I'm getting better. I recently have started asking my clients and team members too. I did this with you the other day, Amy. I said, from zero to 10, how committed are you to maximizing your potential? And it's uncomfortable. And, and Amy was uncomfortable and she said eight. And I said, true or false, it's increasing though lately. She's like, yeah. And it was decreasing before and I realize this now my paradigm, the the amount I'm going to get along with someone, quite frankly, is very predicated on how much they want to maximize their potential. But you have to ask the question, and it's so uncomfortable. So, so when you say, how do I get my partner into growth? You have to actually ask them, like, are you into personal development? And I, it, your partner will feel attacked a little bit. So, so just understand that. You can even preface it. I'm not trying to attack you. I care about you. I'm, I, I hope you know this is not an attack. It's a sincere question because I'm genuinely curious for your answer. But how growth-oriented do you believe you are? And then just when they answer, the truth is going to reveal itself. Amy, the reason you got uncomfortable when I asked that is because you know deep down your answer is not as high as mine. Right? And that's okay. I would rather us be on the same page about that. If you're an eight and I'm a 10, that's totally fine. I'm more growth oriented. You're nicer than I am, right? It's it's okay. If you ask me from zero to 10, how kind are you? I'd be like, well, less kind than Amy, right? That's okay, right? I just, I think it's important to have the courage to ask the question. I've been asking all my clients this lately. I don't want to project onto you. Do you really want to maximize your potential? Like, are you a 10 out of 10 committed? Because if you're not, that's totally fine. But I'm going to coach you differently if I know that. So instead of me just projecting growth onto somebody, I'm actually having the, the courage to just ask and sit with that discomfort. I think if somebody, particularly if somebody's emotionally driven, you just have to say, look, this is important to me. I really think that, think about it this way. Taryn and I, Taryn watches UFC with me when I say, hey, do you want to watch UFC with me? If I said, hey, it's important that we watch UFC together tonight, she'd watch UFC with me. And if she said, hey, it's important that we watch or we go see my family tonight, I would go do that. So I think you just have to be honest and upfront about the fact that it's something that you value, why you value it, and how much it would mean to you if your partner at least tried it. Now, this is the hard, 
Again, heart-driven, but no BS. There is a chance that your partner will not be into personal development, self-improvement, and they may never. There, there, there's a, a chance that that's possible. All you can do is show them how interested and how important it is to you, and maybe that will be enough for, for them to start. I, that's what I would say. Show it, show how important it is, and also show through practice. Show through leadership. Lead the way by saying, hey, I'm going to listen to a book today. Do you want to do that with me? I remember the after Taryn and I reconnected, we went and stayed in New Hampshire very early in our relationship. Some of my friends thought I was crazy. And on the way up, we listened to a relationship book the whole way. It was like two and a half hours. And we listened to a book together. And I was like, oh, this is going to be, this is going to be wonderful. She's already, you know, we're already listening to books together. This is amazing. But a lot of people that might not start their relationship that way. So just be honest. Hey, it's important to me because blank. Is that something you might be interested in? That's what I would say. Open the door and invite them to walk through it. Don't force them through it. That's the best way I can describe it is open the door and say, and try to connect it to what they value. Hey, by the way, this actually will help us be wealthier if they value money. This will help us be healthier. Yeah. Right. And if you have to, hey, do you care about health? Please come to the gym with me, right? <laughs> what happens if I state something to my partner and they respond in a negative way? For example, yeah, you're being a real jerk and I hope it stops. Mm. Uh, the first thing I would say is is what Emilia taught me. She said, Alan, we're never going to fight. And that was confusing to me at the time. Now I understand. Um, we'll have discussions, but we're never going to fight because fighting implies a winner and a loser. And when you fight, no one wins. And that's what she taught me. So when you're name calling, that's not a discussion. That's a fight. Uh, and labeling someone, you have to separate the individual from the behavior. We've all done less than ideal things. Everyone think of a, a thing they've done that they're embarrassed they did. Okay. If that one moment defined who you are, we'd all be, quote-unquote, feeling terrible about ourselves. Take your worst moment and define yourself by it? That's not intelligent. What about all the wonderful moments? What about all the virtues that you have? What about all the wonderful, generous, incredible, kind, loving things you've done? I can't stand it when people define themselves based on one poor moment. Don't do that to your partner. You're not a jerk. Maybe you're in an unresourceful state and acting like a jerk. Say that, you know, and, and even that's too attacky. Instead, it would be like, I, Emilia did this with me the other night. We're having a discussion and she's like, Alan, I just want to let you know you're getting defensive and you're backing up. You don't have to be defensive. I'm not attacking you. You're triggered right now. I'm not attacking you. I love you. And then I immediately closed space and we started hugging again. But if she wasn't emotionally regulated enough to identify that I was getting defensive and then help me help say it, communicate it in a kind way, it would have just caused a, a, you know, it would have fueled the negative fire rather than, you know, deflated it. Next Level Nation, I know many of you out there probably don't feel super supported. You probably feel alone and you don't feel like you're gonna be successful. And what's worse is even if you do find success, you're probably going to be celebrating by yourself. What if you're just in the wrong rooms? I remember the first live event I went to 
For the first time in my life, I finally felt like I fit in. I felt like I was valued for the person that I wanted to be. And big dreams were not only okay, but they were par for the course. That live event changed my life more than anything. And I was so afraid to go, but Alan convinced me to go. And since I had somebody to go with, it was much, much easier. Next Level Live is March 26th in Worcester, Mass. If you're scared to come alone, bring a friend. We're giving away five free tickets, but we're only giving them away to our local listeners. We want to meet each and every one of you. Make sure you get a free ticket while you can, because when they're gone, they're gone. It is first come, first serve. Click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to the landing page. Put quantity to grab a friend and put promo code local listener. It will make checkout zero dollars. Get your ticket as soon as possible. Again, first come, first serve. And local listener, you can copy and paste from the show notes. It's hard. It's these quite hard. Like without context, questions like this are pretty challenging because you don't know how the conversation started or what happened. I would say be the vulnerable problem solver. Be vulnerable and say, hey, when you say that, it makes me feel this way. When you say that, we never tend to get to a constructive conversation because I get triggered and then I ego up. I just think you have to be vulnerable. Now, again, I don't know the context of the relationship. I don't really know what's going on, but I, th- I think you have to let the person know how they are making you feel and then kind of go from there. Be honest, be vulnerable, be transparent. And if the person's not willing to change their behavior, that's a whole nother conversation. But I think that a lot of us don't know how we're making other people feel, especially if you were raised in a certain environment. Maybe that was common for the person to say that, hey, you're you're being a jerk. Maybe that was common. So I think you just have to be transparent and vulnerable and then see where it goes from there. Give the opportunity to go a layer deeper. And then in that layer, maybe you'll go another layer deeper, but you have to, you have to create the opportunity for a vulnerable problem-solving conversation, I would say. Real quick, just to interject before the next question, Aim. Kevin's points fire with the vulnerable problem solver. We we call them Weemons. Emilia, again, um, it's it's uh, there's something called a turtle puff. Shout out to one of our clients. They know who they are. One of them, when they get triggered, is a puffer fish and egos up. And one of them hides in the turtle shell. So we have this, this Weemon called the turtle puff that the turtle puff needs to evolve into, I forget what the evol- evolved pokemon version is I, I really don't know but the point is is that imagine the vulnerable problem solver so something happens someone gets triggered and the puffer fish wants to ego up and say you're a jerk instead it's deflate the puffer fish okay i'm gonna be vulnerable when you did this it actually ended up hurting me for this reason then the turtle can come out of its shell and have a real conversation and so usually what's happening is the puffer fish is triggered and pretending to be this big, strong thing that's not hurt. That's my tendency. And by the way, fight or flight, fight is that. And then the turtle hides, flight. And so nothing gets resolved when a puffer fish is puffing and a turtle shell is hiding. So the puffer fish or the turtle needs to, the turtle has to have more courage to speak up and the puffer needs to relax um, and take a chill pill, maybe take a cold shower or a walk. Uh, and this is true for not just intimate relationships, intimate relationships. It's the most challenging because that's where your heart is. You know, your heart is very, very open and that's what makes intimate relationships so challenging. Human beings end up hurting the people they love most 
because they they are triggered most, not because they don't love you. You know, Alan and Amy, since you're since you're on my bottom screen, Alan's on the top screen there. You ever had somebody say to you, "I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed." I think it hurts worse when people say they're disappointed because they're being vulnerable. They're saying like, I'm not mad at you. I'm just disappointed. I'm hurt the way you acted. I think that's very much to the point that you just made. It's when somebody's vulnerable, it's emotional. And I think it's hard to stay mad at somebody when they're folding their, they're showing their cards. Hey, it hurt me when you said this. It's you kind of have to feel a little bit of empathy. So I second what Alan said. And third, what Alan said. How long after frustration should you identify and rectify so that you don't continue to have an emotionally charged conversation? Mm. Constructive or destructive? Everything in life is constructive or destructive. So your house is either getting better or it's degrading. You're either renovating it and making it more valuable or it's depreciating in value. Same with your relationship, same with your business, same with every relationship in your life. And... It really is the bid system. So uh, is this still constructive? You have to make a judgment call. Is this still constructive or do we need to take a minute? Uh, I personally, Emilia and I never break space. And what I mean by that is if I get defensive and, and create space, she usually calls it out and then we get back into physical rapport and usually we hold hands during a discussion. But we've never once like stormed out of the room or anything like that or raised our voices. My point though, is you have to understand that if you're overly triggered and can't have, you don't feel capable of having a constructive, vulnerable, honest, sincere conversation, then you might want to create some space for a short time so that you can calm down. Yeah, I would say however long it takes you to deescalate, because there's levels, right? When you practice it long enough, you can de-escalate while it's happening and then de-escalate the conversation with a partner. But in the beginning, oftentimes it's you go off and you deal with your feelings and see what is happening and you walk yourself through the interaction and you walk yourself through the way you reacted. And then you say, okay, what would I do? Okay, cool. Now I'm good. It's all personal. It all depends on you and your level of relationship practice, your level of communication skills, your level of anger, all of that stuff. But I think when you have a clear head and you can communicate with thoughtful feelings and not ego, I would say then it's time to have that. And the wonderful thing is that gets quicker. That gets quicker. The conversation that Tara and I had when I spilled the protein powder on the counter, that would have been different five years ago. It wouldn't have gone that way. It wouldn't have gone that way. It wouldn't be just, ah, yeah, you know what? That's on me. Sorry, I'm being a little bit of a dick. And then you give you a hug, give her, give her a kiss on the cheek and say, thanks. Thanks for letting me know. It's like, that's, that's, a, it's a lot different than walking to the office, working eight hours and then arguing about it later. So yeah, that's what I would say. It, it gets better in time. It gets better in time. Last one, aim quick lightning round. How do you cushion the fall when instead of staying on the same page, the Delta between the two partners becomes too great to overcome Delta lightning round. Uh, yeah, the, the, the so <laughs> shout out to Amy and I, when we're, we work together, right? And so when we're doing this, what we said is we have to have a vulnerable conversation so that we can get back into that. And so that's the, that, that's going to be used from, by me from now on for every intimate relationship, for every relationship in general. 
And this is an honest, vulnerable conversation. So when you're doing that, aka not on the same page, not on the same wavelength, when you're diverting, not converting, or converging rather, you you need to be vulnerable and get back into the heart, back in rapport, back in love, whatever you want to call it. So when when it's too great, the rubber band will snap. The question becomes, do I believe that this relationship is what's best for me and the world? Is this aligned? Is this capable of becoming aligned? Is this, and this is an even deeper layer, is this the most aligned relationship that I could possibly have? And I guess there's a risk on both ends here. If you only look at the other person's potential, you can fall in love with potential, and that's a dangerous game. I've done that. If you never look at their potential and you only look at where they are now, you don't give them room to grow. You've got to be very careful about that. Some people don't think people can change, and they cut it too quickly. Other people just assume everyone's going to grow and change and evolve, and they never cut it when they should have years ago. I'm definitely on that end you got to f- make a judgment call based on those two understandings and you got to figure out which one's your tendency. Proactive reset is what I would say. A proactive relationship reset. I had a, it wasn't an intimate partnership. It was a friendship. But in retrospect, I waited way, 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 way too long to tell this person the truth. And by the time I had the courage to tell this person the truth, the rubber band had already snapped. And if I told the truth earlier, we would have reconnected. And then we could have done it again, reconnected. So proactive check-ins, proactive resets to make sure that the growth is not too far and the delta is not too great. At one point, group coaching was just a dream of Kevin and I's. And as of Tuesday of this week, we will officially have graduated 50 people from group coaching. This is an incredibly well-polished product. We have improved drastically. We have a new champion on the team, Greg, as an assistant coach. Join us for group six. We only ever do one group per quarter. And like I said on Book Club this past Saturday, if you remember that level in Mario Kart 64 where you could do a booster through the middle of the island, but you needed a mushroom in order to get up that ramp, and it looked like you were losing when you were in the center on the map, but then when you come out on the other side, you're ahead of everyone else. Group coaching is literally designed to be that, that analogy. It's the mushroom that you need to get the shortcut. Now, it's not really a shortcut because Kevin and I don't believe in shortcuts, but it definitely is going to accelerate and make you ahead of other people. What you can do with a group of like-minded people is so much bigger and so much better than what you can do alone. That's just a fact. I've seen it time and time again. Group coaching, group six, starts April 19th. There will be no mushrooms given to any of the attendees. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Next Level Nation, as always, we love you, appreciate you, grateful for each and every one of you. At NLU, we do not have fans. We have family. We will talk to you all tomorrow. Everybody say goodbye. Please reach out. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Next Level University. We love connecting with the Next Level family, so make sure you follow us on Instagram. I am at NeverQuitKid, and Alan is at Alazarus88. Also, if you found value in this episode, leave us a review using the link in the show notes, and please share this with someone who's ready to get to the next level. We will talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.